What is going on and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad podcast. My name is Chad and this week we are joined by Tarek Jafar of the band The Bluestone. Shaking out the rust. So the Blue Stones are an alternative rock duo from Ontario, Canada, and Tarek is the lead vocalist and guitarist and had an opportunity to talk to him about the band, the writing process, the the opportunity he had to work with Paul Meany, as well as so many other things that come into play with the music as well as as the journey and and the the battle that he's been through and it's really awesome i I think you know in terms of talent in terms of grit he's got it all and i'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview but before we jump in just like always i want you to head on over to to the blue stones social media pages facebook instagram go to their website they got some dope merch on their website as well as as just stream the music on spotify or apple music and while you're at it you know follow the podcast and and rate the podcast um and share it if you enjoy it i would really appreciate that and on instagram i'd love to hear from you see what you're thinking and if you know any other bands who'd like to be on the podcast i'm i'm always down to get anyone who who is out there creating music and and trying and 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 putting in the effort and, and just wanting to to get their name out there, I want to I want to help with that. So, let me know if you got anyone. But without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, I always I always like to start out, you know, just give you a quick second, just introduce yourself and and uh, talk about who you are, and then we can we can talk about the band and the music here in a second. Yeah, so I'm Tarek. I am the uh, singer, sort of vocalist, and guitarist of a rock duo called the Blue Stones. Um, we're based, I mean, I guess we came up in Windsor, Ontario, right across the river from Detroit. Um, but yeah, we just put out a new album on March 19th. So about two, what, three weeks ago now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really, really excited about it. It was a long process, especially with having to wait because of COVID. Yeah. But uh, finally we're able to do it. So really thrilled about that. Yeah. Huge congrats, man. It, uh, it turned out super dope. Turned out really good. I, uh, I like it. It's, it's fun cause it's the, the high energy and there's, there's kind of some, some retro vibes to it as well as a lot of modern rock vibes. I, I just really like what you guys did with it. It's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I appreciate that, man. I, I it was a really fun process to actually make the record and we got to work with one of our personal heroes, Paul Meany. Um, but yeah, it was just overall like my proudest sort of piece of work. Um, and I'm sure Justin would say the same. Yeah, it was this album and I just happy that we could finally share it with the world, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. I bet it's so, so when did, when did the process start? Cause obviously you said it's been a bit of a journey with, uh, with COVID and whatnot. So what's been like kind of the process for you? Um, so it started in 2019, a lot of demo writing was being done then. I, we had just sort of actually, it wasn't really, yeah, yeah. We had come off of our own headlining tour, um, which was in the spring of 2019 and started to, you know, I had a lot of demo ideas that I was showing Justin, um, some, you know, we both agreed on some, we didn't, but there started to become a, a good body of work towards the summer of 2019. And decided to reach out to our managers about a producer and our managers were like, well, who would you guys really want to produce this next album? Um, and off the top, like one of our top five was, was Paul. Yeah. And then kind of st- they stepped back and they're like, okay, we'll give us a few days and we'll see what we can do. But a week later we get an email from Paul himself. And he was like, Hey guys, listen to a lot of your music, watch a lot of your videos, listen to the demos. I'm in like, I want to be part of this project. Heck yeah. Right absolutely thrilled and just to have somebody of that you know stature on on this album was huge for us um especially considering we've been fans since like 2008 of yeah Matthew, was the band that he was a frontman of so after that the ball really started rolling i started writing a lot more demo wise i would complete songs that were kind of half finished sort of built up 20 songs um that were on the chopping block 
Um, and then between myself, Paul, and Justin, we whittled that number down to around 12. Oh, nice. Uh, happy with those. And it actually included a little session where we flew to New Orleans because you could do that sort of thing yeah. at that time. Um, <laughs> we flew to New Orleans to do like a writing session with Paul at his house. And that was fantastic too. Just I bet. to work with somebody new. Um, but after all that was said and done around the end of July of 2019, we booked some studio time, started to track these songs. And the first song to be tracked was Shaking Off the Rust, you know, which eventually did a lot of work for us and which you were just playing now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 2019 is the bulk of when the work was completed between August of 2019 until January, end of January, beginning of February, 2020. That was where the album was created. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Cause it's, it's one thing to produce a great album, but it's also like, it's a whole other thing when you're able to produce it with someone who you've, you've been kind of looking up to for so long. Cause mute math, like freaking huge band first off like they hugely successful but they also broke a lot of boundaries they kind of changed a lot of the the industry for for a lot of musicians you know there was kind of there there's you know a few bands in there in that world that kind of started pushing the boundaries and changing what people expected from music i guess um and now a lot of you know a lot of the bands nowadays have kind of caught up to to what bands like mute math were doing so that's cool that uh that you were able to work with him that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was great. You know, just, you met, you take one of your influences, right? Like somebody who influences you to write music to begin with. And then you actually say, Hey, you're now able to make an album with this person, you know? And it's just, it's surreal. Um, it, it, it was so cool. You know, I, I got to work with one of my heroes and, and that's, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people would strive to do and may not even ever get to so i was very very thankful for that oh absolutely um, but yeah it was it was great it was great and and of course you know he lended his element to the music as well you know mm-hmm. we he did a really good job while we were in studio of pushing the best out of us which i think a lot of people will say yeah but he also did a great job of preserving who we were and i think that's the mark of a great producer they take who you are as a musician and they don't try to change you you know, they just try to take what you are as a sound and what you are as a, as a, as an attitude, I guess, mm-hmm. and then enhance it, you know? So that was nice because I think a lot of our fans were really curious as to what we were going to do once album number two came out, you know, yeah. are they going to stick to the carved out path or are they going to sway a little bit? So, um, it was nice that hopefully they felt comfortable with, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really care. I'm yeah. going to release this. Yeah. Release, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice that they did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always uh, the, the big thing. Cause this is the sophomore album, right? This is the, the, this is the, the second album to come out. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories of the sophomore album being really high pressure or really, you know, a little bit more concerning because of the fact that, you're kind of coming off of, of what you've already released, what people expect from you. They, they kind of have this idea in their minds of, of who you are, what you've created. And so now you're kind of playing with that as well as, as doing the, uh, you know, what you were talking about, expanding and, and growing and adjusting and, and adapting to who, to the music that you're writing now. And so, so when, you know, when people were started, you know, when they first heard, um, shaking off, shaking off the rust. You know, when they start hearing the new songs, they start hearing the the new music. What were some of the uh, like the feedback that you were getting as as it started rolling out initially? Thankfully, they were they responded very very well. I mean, shaking off the rust was the first single that we had put out since we had basically been working on black holes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice to see such a great reaction to shaking off the rust because it had you know a lot of the rock and roll sort of dna that that we were known for on the first album so i don't think people took it as much of a shock but they definitely saw somewhat of a step forward in the music um after that we released grim which again another rock heavy song um a little bit more of like that hip-hop sort of fusion yeah yeah yeah. but those two songs we had a really great reaction to and i think I mean, I hope that people really use those as like hype. Yeah. To get ready. 
album. It wasn't until we we dropped um, Careless that people were like, okay, hold on a second, what's going on? Um, and it was <laughs> because I think we, they never really expected us to release a song like that. Um, but going back to what you mentioned about the sophomore album, yeah, that was like hugely on my mind while writing. You know, both Justin and I kind of had this debut album sort of buzz and you know it did did pretty well for us you know relative to to how other bands start out and we were really happy about that and then the pressure starts to set in for for the sophomore album Mm -hmm. it's like damn like we have to we have to make can i swear on this yeah yeah you're good you're good (laughs) (laughs) so i'm sitting there and i was like honestly i was like i need to make an album that is just as good as black holes if not and probably should be better yeah so a lot of that pressure did get to me early on in the demo writing stage because like i just wasn't really confident with anything i was writing and i didn't think it was as good and i thought i just wasn't a good music writer and like all these sort of like creative yeah this bad talk starts coming in exactly it starts to get into your head and and you really start to psych you out a little bit um but funny enough that's when shaking off the rust was written was kind of this moment of woke up wrote a simple simple song with a nice catchy riff um and a solid beat and that ended up kickstarting a lot of the songs for hidden gems just the the buzz coming off of writing a song that both of us were really proud of that's really what started the the ball rolling absolutely so is that kind of where the uh the name for the the album came from it being kind of um Cause you said you had quite a few songs that you had already written things that you hadn't finished. They started kind of pu- pulling together and, and, and finishing. Is that kind of where the, the album name came from or is that totally different, totally separate? Yeah, I, I would say for sure. It, it definitely stemmed from that idea of having these collection of songs, which in their own sort of world were special. Um, but together made a pretty cohesive album. So it was like a collection of these little gems, these hidden gems that were yeah. in our, demos folder for so long um and that we had written so yeah that's that is definitely where the the title came from but then also you know it's funny because while we were touring and we're we had a very hard time finding a spot as an opening act and this is something i've never really known why as to why but for whatever reason bands didn't want to take us out as the opening act Hmm. and it was something that we'd get together and be like, okay, is it, is it because like we're not rock enough or we're not alt enough? So there's really nowhere to yeah. put us. So after, you know, months of trying to at least secure some sort of an opening date, and, and we did, you know, with a couple of great bands, but we decided to just kind of go out on our own and just do headlining tours. You know, we had enough of a fan base where we felt we could do it. So yeah. that's what we did. And, and in a way we, we found that, you know, we had a lot of support at these shows and a lot of fans from all over the world. So to us, we were kind of like, I, we don't really understand, but we felt like the hidden gems. We were kind of like, okay, we get passed over in, in a lot of situations, but in a way we felt like we definitely had something to offer, you know? And, and in that sort of idea, we, we have become the hidden gems themselves. So not only are the songs alluding to the title, but just us as a band, I feel like alludes to the title. That's cool. Yeah, man. Did you guys, did you guys ever kind of like, as you thought it through, did anything ever make sense as to why people weren't having you come on as the opening act? Cause that doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me. Like it, it doesn't seem like it, it has a rhyme or reason behind it. You know, I still don't really know. I think it has to do something where it's like for a rock act to take us out. Like we're talking about, you're taking your classic genres, mm-hmm. rock, hip hop, hip hop, whatever for a rock act to take us out, we were too alternative. Yeah. Poppy. Yeah. For an alternative act to take us out, we had too much rock and roll. and, <laughs> and So we felt we were like the awkward middle child. Yeah. What a rock band is and what an alternative rock band is. Um, and I think in a way, promoters and other bands, managers just didn't really know how to categorize us. Okay. So they were like, well, I can't really put you with my band because you know, I, I don't really think you're the same genre. Yeah. So that's that's what we sort of hypothesized is the issue. 
that's that's actually that's that's really interesting to me because the fact is like I I I guess I feel like a lot of bands nowadays are kind of in that same boat as you where it's like we don't necessarily fit one set genre. We aren't we aren't this, we aren't that like, you know, and I I feel like that's a compliment. It's not something to be shied away from in my opinion. Um but that's very that was, you know, you were saying that was back in 2019 that that you guys were were trying to get on tours or was that 2018 or Yeah, mainly 2018, 2019. And, okay. And I think it just like what you said is very true. I think a lot more bands these days, you can't really put them in a lane, you know, and that is a good thing, you know, because you're doing something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I, I feel like the idea, and I mean, Justin says this all the time and I agree with him completely, but I feel like the idea of the genre of music is kind of going away now. Like mm-hmm. Just There really doesn't seem any to be any benefit to like sticking somebody into a category and like having them only make that kind of music, you know, like, yeah. Everybody listens to so many different types of music now with streaming. You can listen to literally, you can have a playlist where you go from like, you know, hardcore hip hop to like, I don't know, Taylor Swift. Yeah. That might all be in the realm of what your taste is. So yeah, I think because of the way that people listen to music now, I feel like the idea of a genre and being one type of fan is going away. And because we don't have one type of fan for one type of music anymore, at least not as much, then we have bands who are branching out and who are also drawing influence from a lot of different types yeah. of music. And they're then putting out a lot of, of, of a blend, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that is happening. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really important thing um, when it comes down to it is just to like, I, I don't know, because I feel like, when, when I would go to concerts and I would, um, usually, you know, when you, when you talked about hidden gem, I, I think it's kind of ironic too. Like usually the opening acts were the hidden gems that I was really stoked about because they, they kind of were, they, they had a little bit more to fight for. They were grittier. They, they, you know, there was, there was a little bit, um, they, they had a little bit more, um, to, to prove, I guess. And, and so as a listener, like when I'd go and I'd see these guys open and they'd perform so well, I was like, I'm going to go check out their music. I'm going to buy a CD from the back. And, and I, and so it's kind of interesting to me, you know, that, uh, um, cause I, I just felt like the, the opening act was always a band that, that just proved so much, not always there's some that were really bad, but for the most part, you know? And so I, anyway, I just, I still, I, I guess I'm kind of like, I'm just confused. Um, as to why they wouldn't branch out that's i guess i'm fixated on that i don't know why because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me yeah yeah i think it's a lot of the bands that i found out about and that i ended up loving started off as opening acts you know mm-hmm. and, I, and i would watch shows where the opening act kind of like blew me away um and that was really cool to learn about a band that way um but yeah i I, I feel like just to kind of go back on that idea, like usually the idea of like the whole genre thing, but usually when a band would book an opening act, it's funny, you want somebody who's similar to you, but not like an exact carbon copy of yeah. you. Because like, let's say for example, if, I don't know, if like the Black Keys took out another bluesy duo, like nobody's really going to want to sit there and watch four hours of the same thing yeah you know you want a little bit of variety right Just absolutely like people interested um so sometimes it is nice it is a benefit to be a band that's doing something a little bit different than what the the headlining band does because they have something to offer yeah and that's i think why i liked so many of the opening acts a lot of times was because they were they were a different act, right? It kind of, it was the appetizer to the, to the main course. It was the, the idea that I came here to see this type of music, but no one that I know is, is exclusively into one type of music. I like you, even with you, what you said, you know, with the playlist, it's like mixtapes were, were the thing back when I was a teenager, you know, mixed CDs, I guess, because they called them mixtapes, but it was a CD. And you just put like, I, 
my my wife now when we were friends in high school she made me a mix cd and uh it went from having like simple plan and different pop punk bands to having like the jonas brothers and then miley cyrus and i was like what the heck you know and so i it's 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 just that idea though that like it all kind of it was all what she loved to listen to so she made me this cd back in the day and uh and it's that same idea though and um but but i think it's really really honestly commendable that you guys were like well f you guys then i'm gonna take it on the road i'm gonna make this happen so um tell me the process like because being an opening act you you kind of you you still have to do a lot of work obviously but you you get to kind of at least follow in the the lot the 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 uh, path that's been trod in terms of, Hey, they've got this venue booked. They, they know the the best routes and like everything is kind of set up and ready to roll. So when it came to you guys saying, all right, let's go and let's start headlining our own stuff. How did you guys, how did you guys do that? Was it just bootstrap? Let's make it happen. Or did you have like a team or what happened there? Yeah, we, you know, it's definitely harder to be a, a headlining act than it is to be, an opener and it is because of a lot of what you said there where it's like as an opening act the headlining tour manager is um interfacing with your tour manager which you might not even have a tour manager and and, and we didn't so he was basically just interfacing with us mm-hmm. hey you got to be here at this time this is when you sound check you have this time for free and then you got to be at this venue you know the next time that we play Mm-hmm. At this time, you, know? so you, you are kind of being told what you got to do. And basically you show up, you set your stuff up and you're ready to roll. When you're headlining, you do have to do a lot more. And because at that time, you know, late 2018, actually it would have been early 2019. We were just like, you know, fuck it, let's just do it on our own. We, we had to keep things lean. You know, we didn't want to go yeah. too deep into the expenses so that we could at least, you know, break even on a tour. So we kept our team lean as well. We, we picked a sound tech that was, you know, a little bit of like a multi-talented dude. So he was doing sound, but then he was also doing things like, you know, helping us book the tour. But for the most part, both Justin and I would do a lot of the jobs ourselves. So our team was our managers who weren't actually with us, but, you know, who we'd talk to every day. Yeah. Our sound technician, you know, shout out to Brendan. Absolute love, absolutely love Brendan. It's a tough um, job, honestly. Yeah, it's tough. And then uh, both Justin and myself, and we sort of just put together a tour, rented a van and, and hit the road. And that was earlier on, right? As we started to develop our name and the venues got a little bit bigger, that's when we incorporated a team, like closer to the end of uh, 2019, when we did a European tour, we had a bit larger of a team. We have a driver, we have a dedicated tour manager, sound tech, we have a merch person, we have a photographer. And then there's us. So we could offload some of those duties to other people, but it is a lot still. There's a mm-hmm. lot of effort being put up because not only are you organizing these things, but then you got to go and perform and you have to perform well. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a, um, you know, a very trying time, but we made it happen, man. And, and that's just because we wanted to play shows. And I mean, we weren't going to just sit back and wait for the right band to take us on their tour. Like, yeah. If you weren't going to take us and yeah, it's like, all right, fuck it, we'll just do it ourselves. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, the mentality of, of anyone, you know, it's the entrepreneurial mentality. You have to do that. Like as, as a musician, as anyone who wants to just make something happen with life, you have to just eventually get to a point where you say, if things aren't working this other way, I've got to just pivot and I've got to, I've got to run, I've got to take it full speed and just, and just go for it. And uh, like I said, I commend you guys for that because obviously it paid off. That's the biggest thing is, is because of the risk that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that was a much higher risk, a much um, less guaranteed reward. Right. Um, yeah. But ultimately, because you're willing to take that risk, it, it seems like is, is that kind of what led into everything happening with with uh you know the the newest album and stuff is that kind of how things happen is how did that kind of transpose between the first album getting on tour and stuff were you already signed and everything during all of that or tell me a little bit about that process we were signed we were signed off of our first album back in 2018 
we were soon after dropped from that label because the label was acquired by a much bigger company. Ah. We then moved labels over to E1, who signed us in late 2018 and helped us release Black Holes. Mm -hmm. Coming off of Black Holes' success, we sort of built up enough credibility to be considered for tours um, and then also to go out on a tour on our own mm -hmm. uh, um, in 2019. And basically from then, it's just been us touring as a headliner when we can, building our own shows, building the momentum ourselves. And the way I see it is like at first, you know, for anybody who's doing this, for anybody who's doing any kind of art or let's say entertainment that's trying to, to get recognition, let's say, you know, you're going to get caught up in, a, in the idea that people might be ignoring you or they're not paying enough attention to you. But you're right. You got to go out there and you got to do it yourself and you build it yourself and build it to the point where they can't ignore you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't ignore it. You, like you can't ignore it anymore because it's something now and it's something yeah. that everyone is talking about. So that's sort of the mentality we had, you know, let's, let's build it ourselves. And absolutely the label helps. Absolutely. Our management helps and, and led us to the point where Paul produced this album. Um, but you know, it's not end all be all yeah. or be all, no, it's, it's a lot of just touring on your own and, and getting the name out yourself. You know, there's so many tools at your disposal now to do that. So you don't have to rely on anybody to help you with that anymore. You can just kind of do it. Yeah. So what but, are, oh, to answer your question, no, no, yes, no, no, that yeah. is what led us to having Paul produce was just that slow build and momentum that we initiated ourselves. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. And I, I think that's freaking awesome. The grittiness, the, the hard work, like it's, it's things that, um, ultimately for me in my mind, I'm like, that's, that's what I want in, in people that I follow in general, like musicians, you know, uh, creators of any sort. Like, I want to know that, that they've got what it takes. Like, you know, cause a lot of times I, I, I was actually listening to, uh, I'm sure you've heard of NF the, uh, he's a hip hop artist. Um, yep. he was, yep. there's the one song that came on on shuffle on my phone the other day, I was just driving and, uh, you know, he's, it, the line was basically all those bands you've heard. Um, you think they just made it, but you, what you don't know is it's been nine years of grinding and, uh, and it's so true. And so it's like, it just helps like for me, I was, I was saying this in another interview is it helps me because it, it gives me a lot of motivation when I see people who like yourself are very talented and, and willing to also not just take for granted the talent, but also take the work ethic and make it happen. It makes me more um, driven to try new things and to do more things. And so I think it's inspiring for, for kids who are following you to hear this story. Cause it's like, you can make it happen. Like you said, yeah. yeah, all the other stuff is great. It is helpful. It is, it does give you a little bit less, a little bit more of a cushion, but ultimately it falls onto your shoulders, right? Like you're responsible for it. And you got to keep putting stuff out. You know, I, I think about the, the career path of like, let's say a Twitch streamer, you know, a lot of people are trying to jump into that game now. And I'm sure that some people hit it big immediately. They, I know, have something that goes viral, but a lot of the Twitch streamers are, that are worth anything have been putting out content for years, Yep. you know, and who have been utilizing streaming for years. And it's not like you can just hop on and become a famous Twitch streamer and make millions <laughs> of dollars. Like, yeah, you got to keep pushing out content yourself, you know, exactly. um, and it's the same thing for music. And like what NF said is so true. Like some people will be like, oh, wow. Yeah. This new band, you know, oh, I hear about this new band. Like, dude, you have no idea how long <laughs> yeah. this doing it yep. you know they're new now because they finally got to a place where you could recognize them as new yep so yeah it's uh it's a long road but if you're willing to do it it is quite rewarding there's nothing like building something yourself and seeing it succeed there's like nothing like that feeling yeah i it is it is very magical like i uh i i started a business with a few friends of mine and uh it is just like that feeling of of having something succeed and, and, you know, you're getting new clients and things are growing. It's like, I made this happen. Like no one else did this. I did this and I'm creating things that, that someone else isn't creating. It's, it really is a good feeling. 
And it's like, even with this podcast, it's the same thing, but, uh, I, I want to kind of shift real quick with, uh, yeah. with like the new album. Um, yeah. obviously, like I said, I've, I've listened through it a few times cause I was in contact, um, about getting the, the podcast set up. So I wanted to be prepared. And it's kind of funny that you said, uh, that you said, you know, people were kind of caught off guard by careless. Cause that's actually my favorite song off of the oh, album. Okay. Um, right. that one, that one I really like a lot cause it, it is a bit different, right? It's, uh, it, for me, I'm, I don't know why, but I typically am the sucker for the soft song on an album. <laughs> and yeah. so, Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So careless, like really was awesome for me. I really just enjoyed everything about it, but uh, the whole album's awesome. So tell me like with, uh, with the album, you said that when you were in the studio, there was a lot of, a lot of growth and a lot of, um, you know, pushing yourselves. So what were some of the things that went in the studio? What were some of the, the things that were a little different this time around with this new album? Um, than the first time you went into the studio and, and recorded? I think with this album, the first thing that comes to, to my head is the fact that Paul really pushed us to focus on lyrics. So before, you know, I, I, I'd written lyrics and not that I didn't really think about what I was putting down on the paper, but I didn't really give it too much thought as far as like building a story or actually telling a story and being really true to the words and thinking about everything I was communicating to the audience. Um, so Paul really put a light on that and he was like, you know, what you're saying in the story that you're building in the environment or the scene that you build for somebody is so important and it can take a good song to a great song. Heck yeah. You know, it, can, it can, it can raise the bar there. So that, that kind of changed the way I approached music writing from that point. I, I really focused on the lyrics and, you know, made sure that the message I was trying to convey was, was clear and potent. Um, and I think I drew a lot more from personal experience on this album than I did on the first. Um, and it, it was nice, you know, it was a nice little, a little experience for me because in a way it was almost like journaling, you know? Yeah. Um, and now that it's out, everybody can hear about all my dirty laundry, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, not every song is necessarily about me. Um, not every song is from my perspective. You yeah. know? Um, it might be from the, the person who I, I was with's perspective. Yeah. You know? So, um, but it, it was a very rewarding experience to be able to, to be proud of like the lyrics yeah. for the first time, you know? Um, yeah. And I think before the only, the only song that I had been really proud of lyrically had been Black Holes. And I now realize that the reason why that is, is because Black Holes was, was telling our story and it was very close to me. Um, and I had a connection to it, you know, mm -hmm. and in that other people create a connection to it. And that's why I feel like it, it became our single off of that album is because people connected to it. And yeah. now I realize how important that is, you know, absolutely. So that was something different this time around that, uh, that Paul had pushed us to do was to focus on the message. Apart from that, it was like, you know, just, uh, just letting us be us. You know? And I love that. Absolutely. You know, like, he had full confidence in us. He'd be like, listen, there's a part, just go in there and just do what you do, you know? And I don't know, it ended up working out. That's awesome. So I want to, I want to elaborate just a little bit on, on what you're talking about yeah. with like the lyrics, because you said a lot of these songs were songs that were kind of living in, in demo world in your, in your demo folder. Um, so were they, what was it like, did you completely revamp the lyrics on these songs or did you kind of take something that you had already, um, written and then, um, built like, how did, how did that go? Cause obviously when you're, when you say, you know, you're finally proud of the lyrics that you're writing, I, that's magic to me. I think that's awesome. I, I just am curious to know how you, how you basically did that with existing songs. How did you make them actually have more meaning to you when they'd already been written or started? Yeah. I mean, great question. Um, there's a lot of songs in these, let's say if, if hidden gems had its own folder, you know, you have 15 to 20 songs in there. They're all at different completion percentages. So this song, you know, careless might've been at 30%, just 
a riff and a drum idea. Yeah. Whereas Shake It Up the Rust was at 80. It had guitars, drums, it had, you know, accompanying instruments, and it had a little bit of lyrics. So it wasn't like before you go into the studio to record, you don't have to have 10 fully completed songs. Yeah. Sure, it helps you, but no matter what, they're going to change when you go in there. Um, and then on top of that, my writing style is usually I write the instrumentation first, agree on a good song, a good riff yeah. with a catchy melody, and then I add lyrics to it. Okay. So the lyrics are usually along the end of that process. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, and, and then the for the other songs that aren't falling in line with that, you know, you can change lyrics, you can change the way you you sing them, you can change what you're saying. Um, sometimes you'll have placeholder lyrics. Like if I can't think of a solid line to say, I'll just kind of put a placeholder line with the same cadence. Yeah. I'll just go back to it later. Or you have a song that you think is done and then you perform it or you play it for Paul. And he's like, yeah, no, we got to change that. You got to change this, <laughs> you know, and you spend a little bit of time. Okay. Like what, what's the other thing that we can do here? I remember we spent, we spent two hours, close to two hours, the song one by one. Okay. Okay. For the court. Um, it goes, you know, it, like we spent two hours on what words to say in that chorus. Okay. Because the lines are separated and everything I'm saying, it's, it's only like a vocal moment there. Mm -hmm. So we had to be careful of what I was saying there. I, I wanted to basically convey the message really, really strongly um, and choose my words wisely. So we spent two hours on what to say. Like, you know, it, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't about threads at first, you know, mm -hmm. it was about something completely different. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how it, it all kind of comes together. It'll come together in pieces and from different completion rates. So you can always dip back into a song and change it, or you can, you know, build a song instrumentally first and add lyrics to it later. Yeah. That's amazing. I, that's one of my favorite things is I, uh, like you, like you said, you know, obviously when it comes down to the lyrics and stuff, a lot of times it's, it's, these people are, are airing their dirty laundry or or putting their heart on their sleeve and letting people hear something that they ne they might not necessarily want to tell as a story openly, but they'll tell it in a song because it's a little bit more metaphorical or uh, a little bit more story based. But uh, but for me, one of my favorite things is the commentary behind it. Right. Like the idea that that this is, you know, obviously when I hear a song, I'm going to have my own interpretation of what it means, which is the magic of music and art in general, but it's also really fun for me to hear what you just said, you know, like two hours to come up with lyrics for, for one chorus. It just, it now, when I go back and I listen to that, it's going to change the way I listen to it because it'll give me more appreciation for, I, I just said that really weird, more appreciation for, for what those words are actually trying to convey because it's more than just, you know, it's, it's kind of how it fits with the song, what you're trying to say. I think that's, I don't know. I think that's really, really dope. That's awesome to hear. Um, and with, with like that whole process, when you guys came out of the studio, did you, did you have an idea of which song you thought would be people's favorite or did you kind of just like, like, cause one of the, I guess the, the way I'm the, the direction I'm going is, did people like the song that you thought they'd like the most? And if, if yes, which one is it? And if not, which one did you think they'd like? Which one did they end up liking? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think we, let's see. Well, we, we, we all had a feeling about shaking off the rust. Okay. We knew that that was a strong song. And we knew that it would do some work for us, you know, and that people were really going to enjoy it because it had that nice, beefy, powerful, uplifting chorus. Yeah. Super catchy. Um, and yeah, it is catchy for sure. Um, another song we thought would do well, but didn't really was Let It Ride. We, we were really hesitant about including that song, to be okay. honest, because I mean, that song kind of came off of, you know, I just wanted to write a fun rock song. That That's really what it came down to. And 
we had been coming off of a trip from Vegas for like one of our buddies' bachelor's parties. And we were just kind of like buzzing off of that feeling. So I ended up writing Let It Ride. And there was something that sounded really cheesy about it to me <laughs> and, and, and to, to Paul and Justin as well. Like, it was just like, there's something that's a little bit too like preppy to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know what? We, we sat there and, and I remember Paul being like, you know what? It is what it is. Let's just make this a cheesy, fun rock song. And that's when we decided to add cowbell to it. Like, it just, yeah. it, we just were like, let's go full tilt into what this song is. And hopefully it becomes something that we like. So we ended up being like, wow, actually, you know, it actually turned out pretty well. Um, and we thought people were going to like it a lot more than I think they actually did, <laughs> um, which is fine. You know, like we didn't really expect that to be a winner at first. So yeah. it didn't really change too much. But yeah, Shaking Off the Rust was one that we were right about because I feel like a lot of people like that. I thought a lot of people would also like Grimm, um, which I think more of the diehards like Grimm. Yeah. Um, but mainstream wise, I don't really know how well that song did. I think it's more so for the fans of the band. Yeah. And I was actually, as I listened through it, like I could tell there was, there was a very clear like, all right, Shaking Off the Rust, that's a radio song. That's a song that that's like something that that someone who doesn't know your band, who is just a casual music listener, they'll enjoy it. It's something that they're going to get into. And then someone who's going to be a diehard fan, someone who's going to listen to your music from the beginning, they're going to enjoy it, too. It's kind of like the that, you know, the the Venn diagram of of your band there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt like Grimm was a little bit grittier um, and uh, which I like I said, for me. I, this, this is another question I had too, cause it sounds like obviously you guys focus so heavily on the story, which is a big part of, of the process. Um, and so it's kind of a two part question. One is in your mind, were you always going to do a full length album? Was there like something that you felt like you needed to tell with a full length album versus an EP? And then, and then secondly is like, throughout the the process of of compiling this full length album how did you determine the order of of songs and and which songs were going to make it to the album versus the ones that got got cut so yeah we always knew it was going to be a full length okay you know, we're album guys we always want to release like a nice comprehensive piece of work of where we're at so that was that was never a question okay um and and we had the songs too we had you know a good batch of songs to play with so we knew it was eventually going to end up on like a 10 song album which is usually what we stick with yeah um, as far as sorry your second question like was, the order of the of the songs oh the order of the songs okay, yeah so like, yeah the order was a lot just based on feel okay um once we had every song recorded we threw it into like a private playlist that both justin and i could listen to as well as paul and some members of our management team and we just kind of sat there and we took a couple weeks and we just listened through it. You know, I'd throw it on if I was cooking, I'd throw it on if I was in the car and there was different arrangements. We had the A arrangement, the B arrangement, the C arrangement. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of came together on one, you know, and, and it made sense and it was a better feeling. There's more flow. Um, but while we're recording the music as well, Justin and I are kind of talking with each other, like, yeah, this would be a good opener song. Like lights on was always going to be the opener. We knew yeah. it, you know, lights on was the perfect song to open the album. Yeah. Oceans became a closer after a couple of weeks in the studio. We were like, yeah, I think this one fits a bit more as the ending. Um, and plus it had the outro, which never really existed on the demo, but which sort of was born inside of the studio. Yeah. 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 So that's how we arranged the album. It's all based on feeling and, and what seems to open and close the album the, the best. And also you got to think of it like a live show, you know, you want pushes and pulls, mm -hmm. you need your heavy songs to carry you through lulls and then you need the softer songs to kind of bring you back down. So it's more of like a nice wave of an experience. Um, as far as cutting songs down, that just comes down to what songs feel the best, you know, yeah. um, and what songs we care the most about. There were two songs that we didn't end up including on this album that may or may not appear on a future one. Uh, one was actually an instrumental song. Oh, cool. And, at the end of the day, we just chose the 10 strongest, you know, okay. we recorded 12 and we sat there at the end of the experience and we were looking at this whiteboard and we're like, okay, what are the best 10 songs? 
And although you have like some debating, at the end of the day, you agree on the strongest ones and you just stick with those. Yeah. So with, uh, you know, you said you came into it with about 20 songs. Did you guys just listen through the demos and say, all right, that one's not making it. That one's not making it for the other eight songs that were kind of chilling there. Um, Cause obviously if you, you recorded 12, that means that, that they didn't even make the cut to get into the studio in terms of recording time. Right. Yeah, it, definitely. You have to think about time and, you know, and money as well. You know, you can, you only spend so much on making an album, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to make an anthology in one session. <laughs> yeah. But you, it started with 20, Justin and myself with a couple members of our management, um, whittled it down to 15. Okay. We showed that 15 to Paul. Paul weighs in on his favorite 12. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. If a lot of them line up, that's the ones that we stick with. If some of them don't, we talk about them a little bit more. We finally settle on the 12 best. So we split the recording process to six and six. We start recording the songs. Okay. Then once all the 12 have been recorded, we sit back and we say, okay, which ones are going to go on to our 10 song album? Man. What, which ones are the strongest, you know? And we didn't even get to one of them, actually. We only recorded fully 11. Oh, okay. Um, so one of them is still kind of stuck in, in demo stage closer to 80 or 90%. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still a demo. So yeah, it's, it's over time. It gets whittled down. Yeah. It gets whittled. Down. And as much as, you know, I'd like to say, yeah, Justin and I choose every song that goes on the album, which we do, but it's not just us, you know, Yeah. because if we left it up to us, we'd probably be leaving out songs that were winners and adding in songs that kind of work. Yeah. Is that, is that ever hard to like cut a song? Do you ever feel like attached to a song that you feel like you still need to cut? Yeah, for sure. For (laughs) sure. Um, Absolutely, man. Like there's, there's songs where like, you're like, I just can't believe this one's not going to make it on in this, you know? Yeah. It's not gone forever, but like, because you're so attached to it at the time, you're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this is going to go on the album. Um, but in a way that's good. I like having an abundance of songs that could have been candidates because they're just ready for the next one. Yeah. You know, and with today's sort of music listening behavior, people are going to get older stuff yep. or going to get tired with things pretty quickly. So it's kind of rests on our shoulders to keep producing good quality content for them to consume. Absolutely. Um, Wow, that makes it sound so like mechanical, like almost like a zoo. No, it's it's tough because it's like it is a battle, man. It like I I talk about this all the time because I feel so like talking to so many bands and musicians. Like I feel like it's such a it's such a tug of war between con getting content out there for people to hear to for people to interact with and making sure that it's constantly meeting your standards and 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 always exactly what you want it to be. There's like this constant tug of war back and forth of, Hey, we may have to compromise on something. We may have to wait a little longer to get music that we want out, or we may have to release um, more singles before we get the full album out because we're not quite ready to release the album, whatever it is. And it's just like this back and forth between, between those two worlds. And, and I feel like it's, it's gotta be tough to, to manage that. You know, it's just, it's just a lot to think about. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of success goes to those who put volume over mm-hmm. quality now. You just got to stay relevant and you put out things. I remember, are you a gamer at all? Yeah, I love games. <laughs> Do you know, like, you know, video game Dunkey? The YouTuber? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. like, I remember watching, I love it, man. Yeah, he's I hilarious. A video of his and, and it was kind of, I think it was supposed to be a joke video, but he was saying like, I just can't keep up anymore. Like I, I want to make good videos for everybody and I want to make like funny, high quality videos, but it takes too long and I'm missing out and not even coming up to the level of what some YouTubers are doing where they're putting out videos every day. Yep. You know, it's like, I can't keep up. And like, those are the ones who are winning and those are the ones who are making the money to continue doing this. So because you have to match the volume, your quality suffers a little bit. And, you know, I never wanted to be that artist to put yeah. volume over quality. And I don't think we ever will be. But at the end of the day, 
will will we suffer because of it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it's, it's possible. I feel like, you know, pop people who make pop music or people who, uh, you know, make more mainstream music, put out music all the time. Yep. You know, there's never sort of a quiet moment from them. Yeah. They're constantly releasing something or they're collaborating on something. And it's just like, that's the ones that stay in people's minds the most and, and therefore get streamed and listened to the most. Yeah. And it's tough too, because like a lot of those, they're fluff pieces to me. A lot of times it's like, yeah, but what is it, what is it doing? All it's doing is just, like you said, satiating that, that need for people to have something new with the way that streaming is and stuff nowadays. It's just that that's pretty much all it is, is just satiating that need. And it's, and it's kind of unfortunate to me because like I, I fall into that sometimes where I'm like, I catch myself like, Oh man, when's this band going to finally release something? You know, it's like, they've been, it's been like, it's been like 12 months since they released something. And I feel yeah. really guilty. Cause I'm like, I, I talk to these bands. I know what the difficulties in the process. And I, I know the writer's block that you'll run into, or just the, the hurdles of cost or, or studio time or whatever it is. There's so many different things that come into play. And, I feel guilty when I feel that way, but it's, it's just like the natural tendency to, to feel like, Oh, they need to come out with something new. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's real. It's like very, very real. And it's, it's something that it's like, if you don't, I think before you could afford to wait a little longer, like back in early to mid two thousands, maybe even early 2010s, you, a band would put out an album and they'd go like, they disappear for like two years. Yeah. They'd just no. be touring on that one album for that whole time. Yeah, they took that one album for like a year, maybe a year and a half, um, then be recording. But people wouldn't hear about new music from them for a very long time, sometimes three years. Mm-hmm. They'd come back and it was this big thing like, oh, shit, they're back. Like, yeah, this is awesome. Now it's like, you know, we put out this album three weeks ago and we're already discussing releasing something in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, we have it, but it's just so that we can keep going, you know, especially now, like it's so important because you can't tour. Yeah. And you can't play shows and stay fresh minds. You have to just stay on the radar. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it can get very tough. And you don't want to like chase the dragon too much. Yeah. Because then, then what you make is inauthentic. And I feel like any music listener can sniff that shit out. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about that all the time. Cause I'm like, I can definitely tell, like, I don't know what it is necessarily. Like, I don't know why or how I can tell, but I can tell when a band is truly invested in what they're making. Like when they're truly passionate about what they're creating, I can tell that they actually are, are invested in it. And, uh, it's so true. Like if it comes out, if it comes out as inauthentic, it's just like, I don't know. It's it, for me, it's, you know, there've, there've been some bands that kind of just ride off of well, you know, this last album did well, so let's just get back in the studio and do another. And it just doesn't, doesn't hit the same way. And it's just like, oh yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's true. Cause like you said, you know, like you chase the dragon too much, you're going to get it. You're going to get bit, you know, it's like, it's going to bite you in the, in the tail. And, and I don't know, it's, I, I, someone I was talking to said like the, the magic number for the algorithms is releasing something like every six weeks. And I was like, that, is that even possible to like, to keep writing something and, and especially in the format that like that you go for, which is albums, which is the format I prefer. That's nearly impossible unless you're just releasing the entire album, one single at a time. And then you just release the entire thing as a com- compilation of singles almost. Yeah. That that's what a lot of people do nowadays too. We'll release six songs over the course of six months and then we'll drop the last six or the last five as, as the rest of the album. And it's kind of what we did. You know, we released five singles um, and then we dropped the rest of the album with five fresh songs. Yeah. And although it was a nice way of keeping people enticed, um, I definitely was reading comments where people were like, yeah, I just kind of wish that I heard everything at once because now that I didn't, I kind of skip over the songs that I have heard already. Yeah, because it kind of messes up the the playthrough. Because for me, yeah. that that first playthrough is like, is is like a really important thing for me like starting at track one even if i don't like a song on a specific album i i listen through one through whatever and listen all the way through the end because to me it's like 
there's something more than just like the this what is the the saying the sum of all the parts is is uh um or the 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 whole is greater than the sum of all the parts that's what it is where like yes. the the whole album as a, as a whole is is more than each individual song and like he was you know like fans are saying it's like because they already heard those ones it basically is is taking them out of that that equation and it kind of it's unfortunate yeah yeah it is it is man but you know it's just that's just how it is. So we got to think of ways to keep things fresh, um, but also not to sacrifice what our like our moral responsibility is. I think as musicians, and that's just to make music that we care about, absolutely and that we like. And that's always been the at the end of the day, that's always been the only thing that we want to do is we we want to make music that we like listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to be able to put on my own songs and be like, I like this song. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, and it's. It's not even about being like arrogant about it. It's just kind of like, no, I just, I like this song. Like I, that's why we made it because we like it. Yeah. So yeah, well, you're going to uh, be performing it. Like that's the thing that I'm constantly thinking thing. about. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. always thinking about that. I'm like, I wonder if these bands get sick of their own music after playing it. So because the recording process, like you said, you know, like three weeks of, of listening through all the songs in various orders to determine the order of the album and then, you know, you're playing them every night when you end up getting on tour, like by the time you finally are able to get on tour. And so, like, I always ask myself, do you guys get sick of the music that you put out? Like, <laughs> is that a thing? Sometimes. I, I mean, yeah, I guess when you're playing, when you're playing a show, it's different because you get like the reaction of the audience. Oh, uh, like, that makes sense. You know, even though you might have played this song 150 times in the last I don't know, these six months, maybe, maybe less um, for that one fan who's seeing you for the first time. That's the first time they've heard it live. Yeah. You know, and get that like raw reaction from them. And, and that's enough to make it fine. You know, it make it keeps that experience fresh every time. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't necessarily get sick of our songs. I don't think I do because it's, it's always a nostalgic experience for me. Yeah. Cause I remember how the song was put together and like the jokes that we were making and all that stuff. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's very hard to get sick of, of our music, like from our perspective, I guess. That's um, good. <laughs> playing like the the streamed or like the the press versions of them where I got to like make shaking off the rest acoustic. I'm only like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I know what the song is supposed to be, you know, and that's just me being a diva about it, I guess. But um. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's different to play the acoustic versions of the songs and in their own right, they're good. It's just I much prefer to play live, you know? Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah, I like I said, that was just a thought I always had. I was like, I wonder if they do, because <laughs> it's just it seems like it, you like yeah. you wrote it. You have an attachment to that song. Like, I feel like the only time that that if it were me, the only time I'd get sick of a song if it, is if it was a song that I really didn't like that I wrote. And I put it out because the producer said, Hey, this song, this song's going to be a hit, you know, um, yeah. maybe like fountains yeah. of Wayne, like Stacy's mom, maybe they hated that song, but that was like their hit. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, yeah. So that's a great example. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah. Um, that the one hit wonder band who's had to play the one song yeah. that everyone it's about, but like they don't really care about the rest of the set. Exactly. Yeah, Cause Cause your, your music is, is different than that. Yours is, yeah, you've got this single that, that drives, has driven the album based on, on what I was, was reading, you know, shaking off the rust has driven the album in terms of, of, you know, a lot of the public view, but ultimately the entire album experience is what is, what is driving the band. Like, and, and so like, it's uh, like, I guess it's kind of, the the song brings people to the album and the album is is a whole experience and so um but yeah like those one hit wonders i'm always just like you know even even them they try and change the version of their song and give it a little bit more pizzazz at a live show and people are like no boo you got to play it the original way it's no, like no he's mom the way it's meant to be played yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah man oh dude well real quick um I, I always love to end my podcasts on just like a really random trivial questions. Do you still have a few extra minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's awesome. bang them out. 
All right, dude. So this first question is all because I have a sugar addiction. <laughs> so if you do, maybe maybe you can relate, but maybe not. What's your what's your favorite candy? Candy? Yeah. Tropical Skittles, man. Oh, dude. No. Peanut M&Ms. Oh, nice. Peanut M&Ms. That's, That's my favorite one. Oh, dude. Peanut M&Ms are great. I or like the Cadbury from England, though, like the, the straight from England that they I've never had it straight from England. Whole different level. Like, oh, is it really? In England is just different and you have to experience it. Well, I guess you. Yeah, you did your UK tour. So, you know, what's up, man? Like you've you've been yeah, there, done that there from 2015 to 2017. I lived there for two years and oh. chocolate is on a different level there. I'm telling you, if you have the chance to experience that, then do it. I've I've heard a bunch of people talk about the bounty bar. Have you ever uh yeah like the coconut one yeah okay i like it's funny because like i interviewed a few different bands and uh that was that was their their candy bar of choice from the uk and i was like sounds like the almond joy without the almond i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah awesome dude yeah that's i that's funny that you bounce between those two because uh have you had the summertime skittles you ever had those ones oh dude they they come in a yellow bag that is holy crap. That's a whole other level of Skittle, dude. You got to find them. They're so good. I remember like the berries and cream one, I mean, mainly because the ad, the commercial yeah. for them. Yeah. But yeah, those were pretty good too. You got to try the summertime ones and tell me. Starburst. Time. I think they were Starburst. Anyway. Oh, dude. Tropical Starburst. Now that, that's my favorite, probably. Probably one of my favorites, yeah, at least. <laughs> All right, man. Next question. Favorite movie? Ooh. Gosh, I always say The Departed. Um, yeah, it's probably still The Departed. Which one is The Departed? I The Departed is uh, Leo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson. Oh, okay. It's two rats in different organizations. One is in um, the police like department. The other one is in the mob. Okay, and yeah. And they're like trying to find out who each other is. Amazing movie. It's a Scorsese movie. Um, okay i'd probably say the departed okay yeah i someone else mentioned that movie and so i was like i i I was like i think it's a mafia movie or a mob movie but i couldn't remember so scorsese man did you did you like like are you have you watched any of his like recent movies or have they gone downhill because i've heard his old movies are like significantly better than a lot of his newer stuff I don't even know what his recent movies would be. The Irishman is the only one I know of. Oh, yeah, I watched The Irishman. It was okay. I felt like it was really slow. <laughs> yeah, anyway, he's building a story in that. And, you know, I, they, I liked it because it was based off of like real people. And so I, after watching it, yeah. I read about all the people and like started watching it. But like I went down this like YouTube rabbit hole of just like, Oh yeah. Mafia yeah. interviews these people who are former mobsters and I was like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that movie's about Hoffa, right? It's about Jimmy Hoffa. Uh yeah, yeah. Jimmy Hoffa, the uh the union the boss or whatever. Yeah. The union guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought it was an okay movie. Yeah. That's cool, man. All right, next one. Favorite non-music related hobby. Oh man. Um probably like video gaming. Nice. What's gaming? What's your game of choice? Like right now or of all time? Uh both. Let's do right now and then all time. Right now I've been playing a lot of Warzone. Heck a yeah. lot of Warzone. Everyone, dude. Um, Love it. You know, I have Justin and the rest of the squad like ready to go at all times. It's it's great. <laughs> so I'd say that, but of all time, it's a, it's a tie between, it's a three-way tie between Skyrim, uh, The Witcher 3, and Mass Effect 2. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those, those yeah. Yeah, those yeah. stories, like Skyrim, how many hours did you put into Skyrim? Easily 200. Yeah. Easily. Dude. You know, like probably more. Yeah. Um, I played that game over the course of like, two years man like two maybe three yeah and then i went back to it. so yeah that, i put a lot of hours logged a lot of hours for skyrim that's that's the one that's consistently like oh yeah i played through it and then i moved on to other games and then i came back to it 
and then I moved and then I came back and then I came back and then I came back and like people constantly come back yeah. to that game and uh, that one and um, and uh, Frick I just spaced it the nuclear one holy crap Fallout oh, Fallout's the other yeah. one yeah Fallout's great too that's another great that's that's Justin's favorite I'm pretty sure he loves okay. Fallout New Vegas oh New Vegas was like the gold standard when it came to Fallout games Absolutely. he definitely references that one a lot <laughs> that's awesome alright dude yeah. Last question here for you. Okay. This one, you know, 2020, it's finally over. We're obviously into April now, but uh, what was your favorite album that came out of 2020? If you can remember mm-hmm. one that came from 2020. <laughs> I would say, um, I believe it's called What Kind of Music? Uh, Tom Mish and Yusuf Days. That was an awesome album. That was, um, definitely check it out. Definitely. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That one. And then also Mo Lauda and the humble put out an album. Do you know that band? They're from uh-uh. Philadelphia, kind of like an alternative band. Uh, yeah. Mo Lauda and the humble. I mean, it's a pretty rad band. name. So yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the album was called. Why can't I think of what it's called now? Ready coat. That's what it was called. Okay. Yeah, it was called Ready Coat. So, uh, those two albums. Heck yeah, dude. 2020. Nice. Man. And the weekend, the weekend put out an amazing album. Oh yeah, amazing album. Yeah, I was I was watching this uh, this little video about like some of the sampling that was done to do some of the um, some of his songs from that album. It was sampling blows my mind and then like what these what these listening producers can do they're like all right podcast we, we're gonna take like this one like little said, tiny riff from this song in the 60s and then we're gonna take this little part from a song in the 80s super we're gonna take this and then they put it all together if you did and it just please give it a blows my mind always helpful they're able to do if you're bored so they did that with quite a few of his songs and i was like that's so cool kind of especially watching how it's done it's just twitch.tv slash mr rad chad we'll have some fun over there as well bro thank you so much for joining me man i uh i really appreciate you taking the time and uh it was really fun getting to talk to you and i want to reiterate one more time i really really am a big fan of what you guys have created i uh i think it's awesome and uh i'm really excited obviously you know now you said you're releasing something in the summer so now i'm excited and anticipating that so (laughs) thanks man i appreciate that yeah dude. thank you really and thanks for having me on the show absolutely